book of Mark, chapter number 8. And uh, I'm going to do what I'm trying to uh, to uh, teach some several younger preachers not to do, uh, and that is um, preach a topical message. And so uh, as we go through, uh, I am preaching a topical message, but I'm going to try to be as expository as I can be. And I don't say that word expository much because I'm afraid I'll mess it up and say something else that rhymes with that. That's one of those things that you're saying, did he really say that? Yes, I did. Didn't mean to, but I did. Y'all all right tonight? All right, just double checking here. I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet tonight. And uh, try to, honestly try to go as quick as I can. Um, but Mark chapter number 8, we're going to read verse 36 and verse 37. Probably would do us well to read this last portion, starting verse 34, but for the sake of time, uh, Jesus is speaking here in verse number 36 and says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Verse 37, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for this day and thank you for this house of God where we can come and we can meet together with you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the singing. And Lord, I'm glad that somebody took the name of Jesus with them when they came to my house so many years ago. Father, I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for Lord your people that you've brought here tonight. I ask you that you would lift them up, encourage them, strengthen them. I pray tonight that you'd give them something that they can be sustained by throughout the rest of the week until we come back on Sunday. Lord, I pray that you would uh, whet their curiosity. Lord, allow them, Lord, to be able to dig in the Word of God tonight. We thank you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach on this thought, things you can lose. Things you can lose. Now... The scripture tells us that, that a person can lose their soul. We just read that. This is the words of Christ. He says, and lose his own soul there at the end of the verse. And we know that man is made up of, uh, depends on which scripture, but at least the three components of body, soul, and spirit. And the Bible tells us that when a person dies, that that body returns to the ground. They become dust, but the soul or the spirit, they go to meet the Lord. And uh, it is that soul that is either doomed or it is redeemed. It is either doomed to hell or it's received into heaven. Uh, you can look at this in the book of Luke, chapter number 16. You see that the, the rich man and Lazarus, they both died evidently around the same time, and the the uh, Lazarus, the poor man, he was received by angels and carried into Abraham's bosom, but yet the rich man died. The Bible says that he was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. 
And the Scripture tells us that he was there in torment. And so as we read down through that particular passage, we can, we can, we know that he has a memory, Brother Kurt. We know that he had, he had, uh, 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 senses. He could see, he could hear, he could feel. He says, I'm tormented in this plane, he, in, in this, uh, 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 with this pain. He's, or in this flame. I'll get it out in a minute. And he says that I, I thirst. And he asked Lazarus to go tip the tip of his finger in water so he can quench his thirst. So we know that the the body itself uh, has some things that we don't quite understand. But we know that uh, eventually if someone does not receive Christ as their Savior, that they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. There is an issue at hand today, if you're here and you've never been saved, today, the scripture says in Luke chapter number 19, is the day of salvation. And it it is not tomorrow, though tomorrow you may be given another chance, but it is today. Now, if you are saved here today and you have a relationship with Christ and you've been born again, then I want you to know, based on our Scripture, uh, that there is no need to doubt. There is no need to doubt. People will read this and they'll misconstrue it and they'll say that if I don't do things exactly right, uh, that I'll lose my salvation. That's not what Jesus said. It is not what Jesus meant. Can somebody say amen right there? However, that there are some Christians uh, that are not living right and they're not making the right choices and they're, uh, they're not living a righteous life. They're not living whole. However you want to say it, there's some things that are lacking in their lives. And I'm here to tell you tonight that there are at least three things that you can lose. The, the glorious thing is that you cannot lose your salvation. If you've been saved, if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you have nothing to worry about about going to hell. You do not. So we can rejoice in that. But I want to give you three things that you can lose tonight. Number one, you can lose your testimony. I've said this publicly and I've talked to God privately. That what my prized possession, my prized possession is the testimony that I have, and I try my best to keep it, and I try my best to maintain it and to protect it, and I believe a child of God ought to do that. We find in, as a Christian, that we spend our life building a testimony, uh, but it only takes one slip, one slip of the tongue. It only takes one slip of the foot to lose, to destroy, or to make your testimony a detriment. Uh, some Christians and some believers, their testimony only extends in the four walls of the church. And what I mean by that is they only live a Christian life while they're here. Uh, when they leave, they, 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 they don't read their Bible. They don't try to tell others about Christ. They don't live a life that's pleasing to God, but let them pull up on the church parking lot and they straighten up until it's time to go and then their own, their own devices. But we look at this testimony and, and I don't want to pull it out of context, but we look over there in Genesis chapter number 19 and we find a man by the name of Lot. 
Lot followed Abraham. Lot, uh, he, he was Abraham's nephew. Uh, we see that I, I personally believe that Lot lived a righteous life and Lot was doing good and Lot's uh, shepherds, Lot's men, his employees, if you will, uh, they began to bicker with Abraham's and they separated. And you know this story. Uh, but if you look there in Genesis chapter number 19, uh, it te- or chapter, uh, is a little bit before that, rather, uh, he says that he chose those well-watered plains of Jordan. And he pitched his tent toward uh, toward Sodom and toward Gomorrah. And so I believe it's Peter says in First Peter he he talks about Lot and he says that Lot vexed his righteous soul. And so if if Peter can say that he had a righteous soul, then I think it's safe for us to say that he did at one time. But when we look at at Lot and we think about him, we really don't think about him as being righteous. We don't think about him as being an upstanding man because of the surroundings that he, that that was with him. But we look over in Genesis chapter number 19 verse number 14, and I believe here we can see where Lot's testimony uh, was not only neglected, but I believe here is where it was truly uh, brought to light that he had lost it in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 19. And Lot went out. These angels came to him and said, it's time to get out of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And so I believe that in this we see that Lot lost his testimony uh, up until this point, up until he began to, to gravitate towards Sodom and Gomorrah. He, I believe he was righteous. I believe he did have good intentions. But once he dropped that veil and began to look at the things of Sodom and to entertain those things, I don't believe that Lot ever partook in the things of Sodom. But because he was surrounded by those things, uh, he vexed his righteous soul. And so you can lose your testimony. Uh, the Bible says that Lot seemed as one that mocked. Here was his sons-in-law, and and they no doubt knew that Lot kept the gate. Uh, they knew that Lot uh, partook in some of their parties and things of this sort, uh, and they understood that Lot is not the man that he used to be. And so when he came warning about the judgment of God, they laughed him and they, the Bible says that he seemed as one that mocked. Well, the same thing could be said about us if a person is saved and they are not living right and they try to witness to someone, you will seem as someone that mocks as if you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. And I see it all. All the time. I hear about it all the time. We think not only about Lot, but we think about David over in Second Samuel chapter number 11 here. It was said last night at the meeting, uh, the lost and found meeting about David being a man after God's own heart. And he was, uh, he was no doubt he was a righteous man. But one night on the roof of his palace, he looked over the banister and he saw a beautiful woman bathing. And he sent for her and he slept with her. And he had a child. 
child with her. And as such, she was married, and he sent uh, for her husband and had him killed. Uh, but yet we find that when we think about the Psalms and we think about the life of David, we so often, thankfully, overlook that mistake, uh, but wonder what it would have been like if he had never gotten it right with God, if he had never listened to the man of God when he pointed that bony, fa- bony finger and said, Thou art the man. I just wonder uh, what it would be like. We look back at Lot and we never really see him getting things right. And so he's remembered as someone that has fallen. Uh, but here we find David uh, that throughout his life he fell oftentimes. But I'm glad that he always returned to God. He always got things right. And so you may lose your testimony here uh, this evening. But I praise the Lord tonight uh, that it can be restored. It can be renewed. It can be rebuilt. But you got to get with God. you got to repent of the things that have been done. you got to forsake those things. you got to remember the vows that you made. And go with God. So we see that, that David lost his testimony. In, in one instance, in one instance on that roof, he asked who this was. His servant said, this is Bathsheba, the son of such and such. And the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And Nicholas, that's all that needed to be said. That's all that needed to be said. But by one decision to sin for her, that's when his testimony started slipping. Now we could, we could go, we could talk about temptations, we could talk about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, we can talk about those things tonight, but you know those things. That, that, that's not truly the message tonight, but I want us to know that one instance can bring reproach upon you, upon your family, upon your church, and upon the cause of Christ. And let us, let us, and I want to say this very carefully, but let us that still have a strong testimony, let us be very careful that we don't get the attitude that, that it could never happen to me. Let us never say that I would never do that. The Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Uh, it would it would be very easy for us to begin to ridicule and 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 and, and cut down those people uh, that have fallen, and we would be right there behind them. It's very very easy, so we need to be very careful. Number two, I want you to know that you can lose your reward. You know, I, I personally don't preach about rewards a whole lot. There's no particular reason why. It just hardly has ever come up. Back in June, I began to think and, and pray about doing a study about the crowns that are mentioned in the Word of God. And, and this is not that studies, but, but I, I want us to know that you can lose your reward. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 10, we'll start reading, and I'll read quickly. It says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth that their own. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, 
Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, the foundation, he shall receive a reward. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So the things done through the Lord will, uh, will, we will receive rewards. Those things that are done of the self, those things that are done for glory of ourselves will be burned. Those things done outside of God's will will be burned. There's a lot of things that go on in the name of Christ that I believe will be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. I mentioned several men a few weeks ago by name, and I'll not recount their name just just to, just because I don't want to, but there are several men that are doing things in the name of Christ, but they are leading people astray. They are claiming the name of Christ, and some are even claiming that they can do miracles in the name of Christ, and they are leading people astray. Well, those are some works that will be burned up. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 9 and 10, it says, Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. That's Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The things that we do in this life, the works that we do in this life, will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. The things done in our body will be judged. And I know that scares us, but we go back to the scripture that we read there in uh, chapter 3 of uh, 1 Corinthians. It says, um, it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall judge every man's work. Uh, he said, let me find it again. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. So again, I have to reiterate, your works may burn up. You may not have done things according to God's plan. You may have done things for vain glory. But again, Brother Bobby, if you are saved, the Bible says you're saved. You don't have to worry. Now, your works may burn up. You may have lived your life in vain, but according to Scripture, you're still saved. But I want you to know tonight, you can lose your testimony, but you could also lose your reward. We look at Romans chapter number 6, verse 17 and 18. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own flesh, if you will, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. I can't tell you how many times that that throughout my years of being saved, I've heard, and it seems like it's always talking about maybe a televangelist or something like that, and they'll say, well, you send your seed money in and I'll do this, or you send me this and I'll send you a handkerchief, you send this and I'll send you a bottle of my sweat, you send this, and I mean, it's always something just goofy. Uh, but those simple-minded, those people, many of them are old or they're young, and they're, they're, I'm not saying that the 
old folks are not Im, they're not they're, they are immature. But what I am saying is they want to believe in something, and so they will believe in anything. The young folks, the younger generation, sometimes they want to believe in anything, and they're like the Jews were. They wanted to see signs and wonders, and so these people are showing them quote unquote signs and wonders, and they're simple minded, and because of the speech and because of the works that they do, they are leading men and women astray. They are deceiving the hearts of the simple. And so Christians will, may, may, let me say, may lose your rewards. I mentioned earlier about the crowns, and there's at least five crowns given in Scripture. I'm just going to give them to you and the references, and I'll go on. But there is an incorruptible crown. The Bible speaks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 25. That's where he says that we shall receive that incorruptible crown. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 19, he says that there is a crown of rejoicing. In Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, let me back up. Second Timothy chapter four, verse number eight, there's a crown of righteousness. In James chapter one, verse number two, there is a crown of life. And then in first Peter chapter number five, verse four, there is a crown of glory. And so there are crowns that you and I can receive, but, and those are not the only rewards that I'm speaking of tonight, uh, but those are the crowns that we talk about laying at the Lord Jesus' feet. Uh, but those rewards are many through Throughout Scripture and throughout the doctrines uh, that we teach. But in Romans chapter number 14, verse number 13, the Bible says, or verse 12, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Uh, there is an issue that we get into, and, and uh, it, it's seemingly one of those more on the legalistic side. And uh, a lot of those legalistic, they will judge everything that you do. They'll judge you for doing. They'll judge you for not doing. Uh, they'll say, unless you do this, you're absolutely wrong with God. But then on the flip side of that, uh, the very ones that are so harsh in their beliefs, uh, they are often the very ones that are hiding sin deep in their soul somewhere. Uh, and so we need to be very careful of what we're judging in other people because chances are, again, as we mentioned first, uh, that we may end up hiding some things and falling under our own uh, on our own sword, if you will. Uh, but then there are those that will say, judge not, that you be not judged. And, and there's nothing wrong with that Scripture, because it is Scripture, but there is more to that. Uh, and then we reread that as a believer, uh, we should try the spirits, but we should also uh, know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Now, I'm not going to be cliche tonight and say that we're, we shouldn't judge, but we ought to be fruit inspectors. That's kind of one of those statements that goes around in my mind sometimes. But if you are around a brother or a sister in Christ and and they are not living a righteous, they are they are doing wrong, then guess what? There's either some rot somewhere in the root or they're not saved. That's the only two choices. And the only way to do that, one way or the other, is to repent and get things right with God. So, he says there in verse number 13, he says, We need to judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. It probably do us best, if I could say it like this, sometimes, sometimes, 
kind of mind our own business. Mind our own business. Make sure that we're sweeping our own house. Make sure that we're keeping our own uh, lamps trimmed and burning. Make sure that everything's right in our lives. And then try not to be a stumbling block to others. You know, you know, Christians, well-meaning Christians, we can be stumbling blocks. My goodness gracious. We can even try to help somebody and we end up making them trip and fall. So we need to be careful in that. You say, preachers, does that mean that we need to, in minding our own business, we don't need to, you know, the Bible says reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Yes, you need to. So then, then aren't you saying that there is, there, that aren't you contradicting yourself? No, I'm not. The issue at hand here in Romans is that the law had taken over and they were saying you can't be a Christian, you can't be a Christ follower and not follow the law of Moses. And they were judging these Christians by the laws that they were keeping or that they were not keeping. But Jesus says this is the law and this is greater than any other, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And so we understand tonight uh, that there are things that are written down in God's Word that is right and there are things that are wrong and we need to abide by those things. But if all your kicks and giggles are coming from judging someone else from pointing a finger, then guess what? You are a hypocrite and you are out of the will of God. Number three, you can lose the joy of salvation. As someone that has been there before, it is... My advice to never go this far. As someone that has lost the joy of God's salvation, uh, I encourage you to never go that far. David, in Psalm 51, had lost the joy of his salvation, of God's salvation, his, God's. In Psalm 51, verse number 12, the psalmist says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And and I know I, I, it feels like just yesterday I preached this, but over there in that passage, we find that that is not all that he said. If I'm not mistaken, it is there that he says, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He says, Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And so you can lose the joy of God's salvation. How, how, how do we even do this? Well, we have to keep in, in mind that this particular passage, according to people smarter than me, was most likely written as a result of his adultery with Bathsheba. And so he was in all of this, and, and you remember, you remember there was a, there were several chapters, I'm not even going to turn over it, I got some stuff in my Bible, I'd lose it. There's several things, several chapters between when he committed adultery and when the prophet came and pointed his finger. We know there was at least nine months between conception and the birth. So during this time, Hunter, 
Like anybody that had fallen away from God or that had maybe tried to live for God the best that he could and then slipped in such a horrible way, he began to say, God, what is wrong with me? What have I done? God, I have not just slipped. I have fallen and, and, and I'm just so far away from you. And it took one choice. It took one Act on David's part. And he says, create in me a clean heart. He says, renew a right spirit within me. He begged God, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And in the midst of his distress, he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Here, there's no doubt in my mind that as this was going on, as all of this was replaying every day of his life, the sin, the wrong that he had done against his nation, against God, and how he's lost his testimony, and all of these things, and now he realizes that he's not only lost his testimony, not only has he lost these things, but he's also lost the joy of his salvation. Now, some of you are musicians. I can play just a little tiddly-tiddly-tiddly stuff, but I can't play like y'all, and y'all make me mad. I went, in the, I went in the piano room or the music room today, and there was a song that somebody sang, and, and I can pick it out, but I can't, I can't make this hand do what it's supposed to do. And I, if this one's going, it... This one won't work. And, and it drives me up the wall. I don't know what's wrong with me. I dropped on my head or something. I don't know exactly what's wrong. But when you all get up here and you play and, and you're up and down and you're playing the sixth string and you're playing the fourth string and you're doing all these different things and you get up here and you sing, sound like angels. There's something that thrills my soul. There's been a lot of times in my own meager talent where I try to go over there and I try to play and you've been there when I've tried it, Kurt. And I know it doesn't sound great, but there's been times that I couldn't even put my hands to the keyboard. There's been times that I picked up my guitar and I tuned it. And I just couldn't, couldn't make myself strum. There's been times, Brother David, that I've gotten the prayer calls. And I've, I've went through the motions and I got down on my knees and I closed the door and I've done everything. And all I've got to do is say, God, it's me. And it's as if there's no words that come. There's been times that I go down to my office and I... I stand there and I've got a songbook down there and I've got songs on my iPad and I, and I begin to try to sing something and just words don't come out. Brother Bobby, those are those times that you, you, you literally cannot say anything. You, you know something's wrong. You, you've not done anything wrong, but something's not right. It's those times that the only thing I can do and I, I'm not just saying this because of the message. I cannot tell you how many times that I've went over there to Psalm 51 and I've read those verses. I couldn't pray myself, but I just let David's prayer speak for me. I couldn't form the words myself, so I just went over there and, and I began to, to just speak, creating me a clean heart. 
Cast me not away. Take not. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. It may take weeks. It may take days or weeks or months or maybe even longer before that prayer. It's not that it doesn't go through. It may take days or weeks or months or longer before God answers it. And it's all in His time. But I want you to, I want you to listen to me. We can lose our salvation. Excuse me. No, you can't. Let's edit that one out right there. You can lose your testimony. You can lose the joy. You can lose your reward. But the reason it is often the case in our lives is because of something that's wrong. This may be so simple it doesn't make sense. Oftentimes, in a Christian's life, it's not what they have done that breaks fellowship with God. It's what they have not done. There are so many things that through the nudging of the Holy Spirit, He tells us, and we do everything in our power to push that out. And we think, oh, that's just my, my mind just went crazy. No, that was the Holy Spirit. That was a gentle nudge from God. And oftentimes, it's not that we're doing something, it's that we are not doing something that breaks fellowship with God. In David's case, he had done something. And because of that, he lost fellowship. And, and today, how many ever years later, the, the, the principle is still the same. When we sin, we break fellowship with God. When we break fellowship with the Lord, we lose the joy of His salvation. We begin to remember. We begin to remember all the grace that He gave to us. And we wonder. Y'all listen to me now. I'm trying to help somebody. When we've gone away from God and we've broken fellowship with God. And it seems like we've lost that joy of salvation. We begin to remember all the grace that God gave to us at one point. But then we begin to doubt that He could ever do it again. We begin to think about all the good days of God's blessings and the mercy and the grace and all of the things that He's done. But because of the sin in our lives, because of the separate, because of the, the lack of fellowship and this joy that is now departed, we doubt that God can do it again. And God literally, if we're saved, God has to nudge that Holy Ghost in our lives. And he has to say something like, if he did it then, Nick, he can do it now. If he loved you then, as filthy as you were, and God saved you then, I want you to know that this, whatever this was, God still loves you. And God still wants to bring you back. But what happens? You see, if, 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 if joy 
if joy comes from the Lord, you remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, love, joy, peace, that comes from God. But we're, we're broken our fellowship. So that line of joy is broken. And so the absence of joy has to be despair. It has to be despondency. It has to be fear. And when that, that, that line is broken, that fellowship is broken, then we immediately go back to those things. We revert back to those times of fear. And we think nobody loves us. Knowing full well that God does. But we think, I've gone too far. We think, I've done this one too many times. And that could be the case. You may have done it one too many times and God's done with you. That's a whole other message. But I promise you, I promise you, when you go too far, you will know. That you've gone too far. I'm going to say that again. So y'all can write that down. If you've gone too far, you will know that you've gone too far. This, this prayer, restoring to me the joy of salvation, it ain't going to cut it. <laughs> when you've gone too far, it's as if you're all alone in a wilderness. You can lose the joy of salvation. We saw this with Adam and Eve when they sinned against God. They hid themselves. They were afraid of God. When we do something against God, we do the same thing. We try to hide. We know God can see us, but we, we try to hide. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Somebody say amen right there that you're sealed. He says, as such, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He says, don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't offend Him. Don't provoke the Holy Spirit. Psalm 66, verse number 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest there that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. Matthew 6, 14. If, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But guess what? If you don't, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you. So, so, when we lose our joy, we lose this fellowship, we begin to grieve the Lord. How do we restore this? Well, you got to go back to Psalm 51, verse 1 through 4. David said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. How do we restore this joy of salvation? We've got to follow David's example. Confess our sins. 
repent of your sins. And, and I, want, I want to clarify something just in case I haven't in the last few months. The word repent, and you've heard this ad nauseum, the word repent, it does not mean say, I'm sorry. There are a lot of folks just trying to get by and saying, well, I'm sorry. I don't cut it, Jack. The word repent means to, to acknowledge that you've done something. Rabbit, I'm gonna let Kurt, Kurt, you get that rabbit right there. I ain't gonna, pull, I, ain't, I ain't chasing it. You acknowledge that you have sinned. You ask forgiveness, but then you turn away from it. If your repentance. Is a circle. You've not repented. I know people are well-meaning. They say, well, that's a 360-degree turn. No, it ain't, dummy. That's a circle. You're going to be right there where you were. Turn away from it. Last Wednesday night, we talked about flee fornicate. Well, we talked about beware of dogs, but I mentioned Brother John Rickenbacker, and he said, flee fornication. You know how you flee something? You don't... Walk right by it. If you brought a snake up here right now, I guarantee you I'd tear down every wall within 50 yards of this place trying to get out. I wouldn't say, oh, excuse me. Confess. Acknowledge your sin. Ask God. Here, here's a blessing. First John chapter number 1, verse number 9. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So with that said, a, a Christian can lose your testimony, can lose his reward, can lose the joy of salvation. But I'm glad that he cannot lose his salvation. He can't. I, I, I've, I've heard so many times, I, so many times people say, well... Uh, you know, somebody's trying to defend this, and they said, you know, he's got you in the palm of his hand. Yeah, but you can climb out of his hand. Well, you're a lot bigger than I am. A lot bigger than I am. If God holds, if God holds the waters of the world in the hollow of his hand, just the waters of the world he holds in the hollow of his hand, then imagine how vast the space is between you and the edge of God's hand. You'll spend a thousand lifetimes and never even get close. Once you're saved, you are forevermore saved. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. That's why we have messages like these. You can lose some things. You can mess up some things. And oftentimes it's about one decision. I want you to know tonight, uh, I've got more as far as conclusion, but I'm just going to hit these few things. We're going to stand in just a moment. But I want to give you a truth. In the middle of your sin, there is redemption. We say it all the time. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. But God commendeth His love in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. We were still sinners, Brother Jody. 
but Christ died for you. If you're in sin tonight, guess what? Redemption is available. If you've lost your joy, if you've lost your reward, I want you to know that your salvation does not come by anything that you have done. You can lose your joy. You can lose your reward. You can lose your testimony by things that you've done. But salvation did not come from things that you have done. It came from what Christ did. So you may be able to lose some things. Salvation is not one of them.